You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. We do praise you, Father, Son, and Spirit, for your goodness, your generosity that you've poured out into our lives. Now pour out your Spirit on us as we turn to your word. May we be those who not just hear your word and walk away, but may we respond to your word by the power of your spirit with obedience and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, Before we get started today, um, I just want to take a minute and recognize our dear friend, Tracy Meadows, who, um, oh, they're already clapping for you. Tracy... um, has been serving as our Associate Director for Family Ministry for the last seven years, and this is her last week. And as you can imagine, our family and student ministry leaders um, are really, in many ways, the front line of our staff as far as meeting new families and interacting with our children and young people when they come to third. They play such a pivotal role, helping parents and kids feel welcome and to feel safe. Um, So Tracy has just tremendously exemplified this in so many ways. Most Sunday mornings you can find Tracy running between all the classrooms and helping kids get to where they need to go and meeting new people and then many times running back to the sanctuary to lead music with her flute. And so she uh, has just always served. And actually we, I started as senior pastor just about the same time you were starting here and it's just been such a gift to work with you because you bring so much energy and innovation and creativity and above all love to the work that you do, Tracy is always asking, sometimes fearsomely, what can we do to reach more families and love their kids? And so we are really, really, really gonna miss you. Um, and we are very grateful to say that you're on leaving third, that Tracy will continue to see her um, running around our halls and playing the flute and maybe even helping in the nursery, maybe. Um, and so we just wanna say thank you. So if you just wanna come up and um, we have some, f- Flowers for you, another, another bouquet of flowers. Let me, let me pray for Tracy. Lord, we thank you so much for Tracy and the huge imprint that she's made upon our family and children's ministry here at Third. Um, we thank you for the way that she has just relentlessly pursued Jesus's love for children and how she has modeled that um, in the way that she's done her ministry here. We pray that you would bless and flourish this next chapter of her life as she steps back to spend a lot more time with her teenage kids and with her um, family at home, I pray that it would be a rich time of life for her and you would bless her richly. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're gonna have a celebration for Tracy after the service where, where the Gelati Celeste truck is coming, which is Tracy's favorite ice cream. Um, and so we're gonna be in the back parking lot after church. Um, so hope you can join us then. Okay, do not get distracted by the, <laughs> by the mention of Gelati Celeste. Stay with me, friends. We're not leaving yet, okay? Well, we're starting a new summer series today. I'm really excited about it. We're calling it Practicing the Good Life. Uh, practicing the Good Life. And there will be a slide at some point. There it is. Practicing the Good Life. Um, and with the subtitle, An Invitation to Abundance. We're gonna spend the summer thinking about what is the good life and how can we live it? And so uh, we're starting with just a couple of simple 
words from Jesus today, from two of the Gospels, and so Bill and Becky Edwards will read them to us. So let's hear God's word. A reading from John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. A reading from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The world is opening up again. Life is opening up again. I've seen that on a headline or heard people say it many, many times over the last few weeks. And it is truly just so good that after a year of isolation and separation and social deprivation, uh, we are all returning to much of what normal life is all about. And I know that we are so ready, many of us, to get back to normal, whether it's getting back to restaurants or dinner parties or movies or ball games or church. There is a great thrilling sense among all of us that we get to get back to the good life that we were living before. But I want to take this moment, before we jump right back into life, I think it's important, and this is really the question that this whole series is geared around, and I think it's a question that every one of us need to ask, is this, is the good life, is the life that you were living before the life that you want to be living now? Is the life that you were living before, before the pandemic happened, is that actually the life that you want to be living now? I mean, even just in the last few weeks, I could tell you in my own life, as we have been jumping back into activities and frenetic events and scheduling and busyness and jumping back into the rhythm of life all over again, and I, has, I have personally felt the same sense of anxiety and burden and sometimes feeling overwhelmed at times, I've even stopped a couple of times and thought to myself, do I really want to do life like this again? It's an important question because, and you've probably thought about this before, there are a lot of things about normal life in our society, how our society defines what the good life is that isn't actually good at all. A very bizarre thing happened to me this morning. At 5.45 a.m., I was driving to church, and I was driving west down Patterson, and standing there in the middle of the road were three enormous men waving their arms, one of them holding a fistful of cash. And so I slowed down <laughs> uh, and stopped and with sort of a safe distance and said, are, are you okay? And they said, dude, we've been out all night. We've been partying. There's no Uber. Can you give us a ride home? <laughs> and I, I, I asked them a few questions. <laughs> Turns out, at least they said, they were University of Richmond football players. <laughs> and they said that they lived right near where I was going, near the church. And so I said, okay, fine, get in. And all three of them crammed into the back seat of my Toyota. <laughs> and they smelled really bad. <laughs> 
And so we're driving down the road, and um, one of them's like, so what are you doing out so early? <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to church. Oh, why are you going to church so early? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh. And then one of them said, um, well, what are you preaching on today? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm preaching on how many of the things that we often think will make for a good life are not actually good at all. <laughs> and one of the guys in the back goes, whoa. <laughs> That's like really relevant to this moment. I am not making this up. <laughs> Many of the things that we believe make for a good life are not actually good at all. Just take the, take the, the blistering pace of life that we all live. I mean, so, so often, everybody I talk to these days, you say, how are you doing? Busy. That's the adjective everybody says. We're all moving at a pace that feels too fast. The technology that was supposed to make our life simpler and easier, in many cases, has actually made it more stressful, more challenging, and certainly more relentless. With a constant deluge of information and communication and media rendering us virtually incapable of focusing on anything longer than a few moments and certainly making us feel like we have never done enough. And then there is the unending pressure to be successful and fit and beautiful and original and authentic and awesome and powerful, and yet hardly any of us actually feels like we are any of those things. Despite our intense interconnectedness, so many people feel lonely and sad and disconnected. And psychiatrists and therapists are reporting the highest levels of depression anxiety disorders, addiction, and suicide rates, especially among young adults, that we have ever seen in recorded history. So is that the life that we want to get back to? A hurried life, an anxious life, a demanding, frenetic life, a stressed life, an overwhelmed life, a depressed life without any meaning. Is that the life that you want to be living? We've been given a tremendous opportunity, I believe, with this pandemic. Perhaps a once in a multi-generational opportunity to actually rethink what makes life good. To hit reset. Most of the people that I really respect, that I've read and listened to, are really gripped by the conviction that even as the world opens up, they do not want to go back to the way that they were living life before. I've heard people say things like, no more frenetic overscheduling, no more pointless travel, no more shallow social activity. This is a moment to be much more intentional about the kind of life you are living, to ask yourself, am I actually living for what most matters? Am I actually living each day of my life in a way that prioritizes what actually is most important because as Annie Dillard once famously said, the way you spend your days is of course the way you spend your life. So what is the good life? What is the good life and how can you choose at this moment to decide to live it? You know, Christians look to one person chiefly, one person to help us understand what the good life actually is and that's the person of Jesus. Christians believe that Jesus is not just a great 
moral teacher or an amazing spiritual prophet, but Christians actually believe that Jesus is the most perfect revelation of the invisible God. That when we see Jesus, when we listen to Jesus, see what Jesus does, we are actually seeing the love and the truth and the beauty and the goodness and the power of God. And Jesus had a whole lot to say about the good life. This passage that we already heard in John, let me just reread it to you in a couple of different translations. Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. The message version says this, I came so that you might have real and eternal life, more and better life than you ever dreamed of. The New Living Translation says this, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. I mean, just look at those adjectives. Abundant life, real life, eternal life, better life, rich life, satisfying life. Isn't that what everybody is actually really after, whether you're religious or not? Isn't that what every person on the planet actually wants? A deep, rich, beautiful, and satisfying life. And Jesus says, my purpose, the reason for my existence is to give that life to you. That's amazing. So what is it? What is this good life that Jesus wants to give? Well, there's a couple of different words for life uh, in the Bible, especially in the Greek New Testament. One word that is used is the word bio, and that's the word that you can guess comes, is the root of our word biology. It really just means the actual literal flesh and blood and bones that makes up your chronological existence, your actual literal life. And there's a lot of people out there in the world right now who are promising to give you a good and better bio life, whether it's coaches or dietitians or trainers that are promising to make you fit and beautiful and live longer, or whether it's money coaches and prosperity preachers who are promising to help you get rich, or whether it's social media influencers or pop psychology gurus or celebrities that are promising to give you self-confidence and popularity and all the confidence that you need to win at life. So there's a whole lot of offers out there right now to offer you better bio life. But that is not the life that Jesus is offering here. Jesus does not use the word bio, he uses the word zoe, which is not so much the quantity of life as the quality of life. It's not so much the chronology of life as the meaning of life itself, the core of what life is really all about. Jesus says, that's what I've come to give you, life at its greatest meaning and purpose. And he even modifies it with the Greek adjective parison, which means abundantly, exceedingly, extraordinarily. Jesus says, I have come to give you life as it was really meant to be and to give it to you exceedingly, abundantly, recklessly beyond what you could ever ask for. That's what Jesus wants to give. And what is this Zoe that Jesus wants to give you? Well, we get a hint from the Bible, when we, especially when we look at the whole Bible story from beginning to end. Because at the beginning of the Bible, God gives Zoe. He gives Zoe to the world. He gives Zoe to you and me, and he creates life as it was meant to be. And if you look carefully at the way God arranges life in its best as it's supposed to work, it's a collection of beautiful relationships. So we see in the garden, we see that humans have a beautiful relationship with each other. You know, Adam and Eve are living in a full and beautiful partnership without shame, fully giving themselves to one another in love. We see that humans have a relationship with creation, 
that they are called with God to co-create and co-order the world, bringing beauty and life and order to all creation. And we see above all, the anchor of it all is that they have a beautiful relationship with God himself, that they walk with God face to face in the garden. This is Zoe, the fullness of beautiful, abundant life as God designed it. Of course, this is not the life that we have, as we all know, the the world is broken. The world has been shattered and God's design for life has been distorted. And so instead of healthy relationship with each other, we often have alienation and separation and suspicion. Instead of a beautiful relationship with creation, we often have exploitation and degradation and futility in our work and labor. And instead of a good relationship with God, we often have spiritual separation and hopelessness and guilt and shame. Zoe is broken. And yet, there's a promise throughout scripture that God still will restore it. And so we see in Revelation 22, the city of God descend, and right down the middle of the city is the river of Zoe, the life of God itself. And there in that city, we see a restored humanity where people of every tribe and tongue and nation are living together, restored in harmony. We see a restored relationship with creation where creation itself is healed. And we are restored in our relationship with the animal and inanimate creation. And we see our relationship with God restored as again, God's holy dwelling is with his people. That is Zoe. It's where we've come from, the Bible says, and it's where we're going life in all of its beautiful connectedness as God intended it to be. So the question is, well, can we get a taste of that now? And Jesus says, yes. And here's how you do it. First of all, you receive it. You receive the good life. Jesus is making so many invitations to you to just simply receive the gift of abundant life freely by grace. He says, I've come that you might have life. Here, take it. In Revelation 21, he says, come, whoever is thirsty, let them come. Whoever wishes, let them take the free gift of the water of Zoe, the water of life. This gift is available to anyone and everyone right now. Dallas Willard, the great spiritual writer, said this, Jesus didn't die to get you into heaven. He died to get heaven into you. He lived and died so that not just one day in the far off future you can experience the goodness of eternal life, but so that now, even now, in this broken world, you can have the power of God's living water, the life of God itself, open up a well inside your soul. Now through the person and work of Jesus, you can already begin to experience healing in your relationship with God, in your relationship with other people, even in your relationship to creation itself. Yo, I don't, I don't know where all of you are today. I don't know whether you consider yourself religious or irreligious or a Christian or not a Christian or somewhere in between, but listen, here is what I think everybody can agree on. Everybody in our culture right now seems to agree that something is wrong. This is why mental health professionals right now are unable to keep up with the overwhelming demand. This is why meditation and wellness apps are being downloaded by the bazillions. This is why every week there's a new exercise or diet program promising to change your life. I am, I am all for habits 
and practices and disciplines. In fact, that's what much what of this series will be about. But I believe, this is what I believe, that deep down in the heart of every single human being, there is a restlessness and an anxiety and even a desperation that no exercise program can fix, no meditation technique can heal, no therapist can cure, and no vacation, no matter how good, can ever repair. It is a restlessness that can only be healed by the deep knowledge that I am eternally and irrevocably loved with a love that cannot even be destroyed by death. That is what Jesus is offering. The knowledge that you are loved, it gives a settledness of soul the end of guilt, the end of shame, the end of fear. You can live your life out of the settledness of soul knowing that you are forever loved. The good life just begins simply with receiving it. And so that would be just a simple question is, have, have you done that? The good life is not something you achieve, it's something you receive. And I just wanna encourage you, if you've never done that, you, it's so easy, you just turn your life back to God. You say, God, I am tired, I realize now I cannot achieve the good life on my own, and so I receive the good life that Jesus has won for me. I receive it freely from your hand. That's how, good, that's how the good life begins, receiving it by grace. The second thing though is, sounds a little paradoxical, and that is that we practice the good life. Now I've just said you get the good life by passively receiving it, and now I'm saying you get it by actively practicing it, which is it? Yes, it's both. Because it is true, friends, that even after you have received abundant life from Jesus, you can totally live in a way that is out of step with it, that is contra even contradicts it or is in denial of it. One thing that has really helped me understand this is the difference between union versus communion. Here's an example. Let's say there's two marriages, okay? Marriage one, uh, a couple goes to the courthouse, they get legally married, but they don't live together, they don't talk to each other, they don't share life together, maybe they occasionally like see a Facebook post about each other or hear about each other from a friend, but their relationship is virtually non-existent. That's marriage number one. Marriage number two, Couple goes to the church, the courthouse gets married, and they live together, they share life together, they text throughout the day together, they go on dates together, they share everything together, they connect deeply out of the most meaningful places of their lives. That's marriage number two. Now, think about both of those marriages. In both cases, the legal union of the marriage is exactly the same. Couple one is no less married than couple number two. The legal fact of their union remains. And yet the communion, meaning the interconnectedness and the interrelatedness of their relationship is of course profoundly different. And the same thing works in our relationship with God. Once you have received the abundant life of God in Jesus, your union with God is fixed forever. It is a legal fact. Jesus has already lived and died and risen for you. You have already been adopted into the family of God. You've already been covered and made the beloved of God. Whether you pray or don't pray, whether you read the Bible or don't read the Bible, whether you obey or don't obey, no matter what happens, no matter whether you have a little faith or a tiny little faith at all, 
Nothing can undo the fixed reality of your relationship and union with God in Christ that is secure forever. You hear me on that? But your communion with God, your ongoing participation in relationship with this God who loves you, well, that can change and vary by the day. And a whole lot of it depends on the direction with which you are living your life. You can live your life in communion with a God who loves you, or you can live your life like that God is not even there. Dallas Willard once said this, grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. In other words, your union with God is a gift of grace by faith, it's fixed. But your communion with God, now through your effort, through your habits, through your intentional deliberate choices, you can choose to deeply cultivate the life that God intended it. Another way to put this is this, the good life takes practice. It takes practice, just like anything else. We have a good friend named Jim. Jim is actually our piano teacher. He's an incredible pianist. Uh, Jim comes to our house and he sits down at the piano and like magic coming from a magician, the most beautiful music just flows out of him. He plays anything and everything. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't pull out charts to put on the piano. It, he doesn't even reflect. It just comes out of him, emerging from him like the music is a part of his very soul. Now I asked him, I said, Jim, how did you learn to play like this? And you know what he said? Practice. Practice. <laughs> Jim is talented, yes. Uh, Jim has always wanted to be a really gifted pianist, yes. But it only, Jim is only a good pianist. He has only learned how to produce that kind of beauty by hours of time, intentionality, and discipline, ordering the direction of his life in a specific way. Just like anything else, friends, you don't just get the good life by waking up one day. You practice it. You learn to live it. It takes great discipline and intentionality to learn how to live your life along the lines of which God intended it, living out of the fact of your own belovedness in Christ. The good life takes practice. And listen, if you don't practice, if you don't have a clear vision of what the good life actually is, a rich relationship with God and others in creation, if you are not intentional about living in a different way that has a different end in mind, then I promise you, you're going to get sucked right back into the vortex, and some of you already have. The pandemic is barely over. Every day of your life, the pressures and demands and pace of life will crush and squeeze and squash the joy right out of you. And over and against all of that noise and all of that clamor and all of that frenzy and all of that busyness is the quiet invitation of Jesus who is inviting you to live a different way. He says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an invitation to live freely and lightly. And that's what this series is about. It is hearing and responding to the invitation of Jesus to live freely and lightly, to learn to live the good life that Jesus wants to give you. We can learn it, Jesus says. You can make a choice now, not just to snap right back into life as it was before. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, it might happen to you this fall. 
but we can make a choice now to not snap back into life, but to choose to live with a different arrangement of time and space, learning to give ourselves to God, others, and creation. God has given us a vision. He's not just given us a vision, but he's given us a way to get there. These are sometimes called spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices or means of grace. And we're gonna talk about these. We're gonna talk about habits of worship and prayer and scripture and meditation and simplicity and work and rest and community. These are invitations from Jesus to learn to live a different way of life that results in lightness, freedom, and goodness. So I'm just gonna close with one simple practice that we're gonna actually do together. It's called the one minute pause. I learned this from a book I read recently and I've been practicing it and found it to be a great benefit. I don't know about you, but even if I spend time in the morning in prayer or scripture, by about 10 a.m., I'm pretty much an atheist. You know, (laughs) I'm just like living on my own, living out of my own strength, kind of not really thinking about anything that relates to God at all, even though I'm a pastor, uh, just being driven along by my duties and responsibilities and the frenetic activity that I'm under and the notifications on my phone. And what this practice is inviting you into is to make an intentional pause of communion. That maybe in the middle of the morning, 10 a.m., maybe you set, your, set, set a little alarm on your, on, your, on your phone, 10 a.m., maybe right after lunch, maybe in the middle of the afternoon, maybe sitting in your car when you pull into the driveway right before you walk into the house, maybe just before you go to bed, you pause, you stop for a minute, just a minute, to tune your heart back to the God who already gazes upon you in love. To relinquish your life out of your own hands and to entrust your whole life, everything and everyone in it, back into the hands of Jesus who wants it. So we're gonna do that together now. We're gonna practice it. So I just wanna invite you to just get in a comfortable position, close your eyes. If you're comfortable, you could even put your hands, palm up on your lap in a a posture of receiving. And we're just simply going to practice this together for one minute. Invite you to begin to take some deep breaths Perhaps breathing in through your nose, holding it for a moment, exhaling through your mouth. And you could perhaps use these words. Jesus, I receive your rest. I give you my burdens. I receive your rest. I give you my burdens. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you want to give us life. And Lord, we pray that in this series that you would help us even this summer, even before we just jump right back into our crazy rhythms of fall again, that you would help us to pause, to assess our lives, to think about what actually makes for a good life, and then to intentionally order our lives in a way 
that learns from you, how to live lightly and freely, how to live in communion with you, how to live not independently, but dependently upon the God who loves us. We thank you that you should take our burdens and in you we find rest. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.